Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. We are super excited. We'll be discussing Craving Kaiva by Zoe Draven, but also we have a special guest with us today. Uh, Stacy is back. She joined us previously for Throne of Glass when we kicked off the Throne of Glass series, and she is back to discuss Craving Kaiva with us. Uh, Stacy, do you want to tell us um, what you've been up to? Hi, guys. How are you? Great. We're so glad you're back. I'm so happy to be back. I missed you guys. It was so fun last time. Yes. Um, what have I been up to? Just the usual. TikToking nonsense. Um, learning how to do Instagram, which I learned is its own beast and that I'm not great at, but I'm learning. Um, so if you want to follow me on there, I'm Facebook space on both. I just used my same handle for Instagram because I'm a basic bitch. Um, what else have I got going on? I've got a book that I've finished. Yay! Yay! Yeah. Um, last time I came on, I was too scared to talk about it. So I told you guys that I wasn't going to bring it up. But <laughs> um, I'm like, I can now. talk about it if, this time. So if you like, is it okay if I read out? I wrote down, um, a, like, I guess a bit of a blurb or a teaser. Yes, please do. So you guys, I haven't told anyone this, by the way, so you guys get the, like, the first glimpse, I suppose. Oh, my gosh. We're right. so honoured. Yes. Oh, yes. So welcome. Okay, so it's called, the book's called Ledge, first of all. So its genre is um, high fantasy. Um, I've sort of labelled it as an adult fantasy because there is a little bit of spice in there, but it's not too spicy. Um, Our main character's name is Dawson, and she's a 24-year-old who lives in a place called The Ledge. And The Ledge is actually just a shelf jutting out the side of a mountain, and it acts as a a prison to keep the people of The Ledge contained. So they're contained because surrounding The Ledge is a great big chasm that divides the mountain in two. So there's no going up the mountain and there's no going down. They're stuck there. So why are they on the ledge? They're on the ledge because of creatures called glacians and the glacians are pure white winged creatures. So across the chasm is a kingdom called Glacia. And decades ago, glacians herded humans up the mountains flew them over the chasm and trapped them on the ledge in the cold where the humans had to do what they could to survive. Um, But they were otherwise mostly left alone, except for the start of every season when the glacians fly over the chasm, plunge down onto the ledge and steal several humans. So they use their talons to pluck them and they carry them over the chasm, never to be seen again. And the humans that remain on the ledge have no idea why this is. So it's been 50 years since the humans were captured and contained on the ledge. Dawson was born and raised there. She's lost her family members along the way and she's now the sole surviving member of her family uh, when at the start of one season she is plucked from the ledge by glacians and hauled over the chasm to Glacier. And that's where our story starts off. So that is our little blurb for 
my book. Oh, that sounds awesome. It sounds spectacular. Yay. I'm glad you think so because, yes. oh my God, it is so terrifying talking about your own stuff to oh, people. Yeah. But yes. I'm, I'm learning sure. to pack it up and do it anyway. You can do it. You have all the strengths. Thank you. Yes. Oh, how exciting. Well, yay for you. And thank you so much for sharing. That is Thank you. Thanks for letting me share. Yes. We are so grateful and glad and excited Uh for you. Those are big steps that you've taken. So you just go. Thank you. The support is overwhelming. (laughs) Good. Well, we are so happy to have you here again, especially. So we will be talking. It's going to be an after dark episode. So we'll be talking about alien sex. Uh, so gird your loins. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll start us off with the characters and then Marissa will do the plot. So Eve, she's our main female lead. She is 25 years old and living on the Everton col- colony. In this world, 25 makes her a spinster and she feels hopeless about finding a partner. Additionally, she is not the typical Everton beauty, which is thin and blonde. Her father also recently passed away, leaving her a townhouse, shipping vessels, and a large inheritance. Because of this, she does not feel a lot of pressure to settle down. And her best friend is Jenny. Uh, Unlike Eve, she is the ideal Everton beauty. However, she has not found a partner yet either, since she has a reputation for dating around. Uh, Professionally, she is a beautician and serves several high-profile clientele. She harbors some resentment towards Eve due to Eve not having the pressure that most Everton women feel to settle down. We have Kaiva. He is our main male lead. He is Kiravi. His home planet, Kiravu, was destroyed after the Great War. His mother and brother went missing, and he is saving up his money to buy his freedom and search for his family. He is a sex worker employed by Madame Allegria. He is around seven foot tall, muscular, with dark, dusty, dusky blue skin. He is hairless, and like all Kiravi, his tila, or cum, causes orgasms. <laughs> Next, we have Madame Allegria. She is the owner of the brothel where Kaiva works. Uh, she is your typical capitalist. She makes her fortune by taking advantage of the working class. She does not pay Kaiva or the other Kiravi a livable wage which makes it nearly impossible for them uh, to save money and buy their freedom. Finally, we have Valerie. This is Madame Allegria's assistant slash niece and receptionist. Uh, She works at the brothel. She's actually more supportive of Kira V uh, and she is there for them whenever they're mistreated and has kind of developed a little bit of a friendship with them. And our one location that we're on um, is Everton. It's an earth colony and that's where this book takes place. Marissa, you want to take over with our plot? You bet. So our book opens with Eve, who is a spinster at 25 and still a virgin, getting ready to go out and celebrate her birthday with her friend Jenny. Eve is feeling a lot of things right now, resigned about her age and frustrated with the archaic societal beliefs in Everton. And most especially, she is lonely. As Eve and Jenny make their way to the restaurant, they run into one of Jenny's clients who is giddily leaving Madame Allegria's brothel, renowned for its sexual experience with the crave, whose ejaculate causes endless orgasms. Through their dinner, 
Eve and Jenny discuss her client and what they've heard of experiences with the crepe. And when Eve arrives at home, she further investigates Madame Allegria and makes the big decision to schedule an appointment with one of the crave to dispense with her virginity. She goes to her appointment at the brothel and meets with Kaiba, who is intimidating in his size and beauty, but is also very kind and considerate. The attraction here is not one-sided, though. Kaiva is very attracted to Eve, as Eve is very attracted to Kaiva. Her scent and luscious curves and dark hair entice him. Eve decides that she does not want to have sex during their first interaction with Kaiva, uh, but she is open to some sexual contact that evening, so they heavily make out, and Eve experiences her first orgasms not provided to her by herself. She is overwhelmed by her feelings afterward and quickly returns home. Um, but she also makes a follow appointment with follow-up appointment with Kaiva for the next week. Eve returns to Kaiva ready to shed her virgin status. Eve and Kaiva have sex and it is a life altering experience for both of them. Eve feels like a different person and Kaiva realizes that his attraction to Eve goes deeper. He desires to claim her and to mate with her, which is not something that he has wanted with any of the females that he's been with even before he came to work for Madame Allegria. Eve stays away from Kaiva for three weeks after their first explosive sexual encounter and debates whether to return to see him or not. She misses him, but visiting a crave costs 900 credits per night. And while Eve has the funds from what her father left her when he passed away, she has been using her savings from the shop job that she works and her savings are almost depleted. She feels conflicted about using the money to see Kaiva, but decides to go ahead. And when she arrives, Kaiva is so happy to see her. She states to him that she does not want to have sex with him at the brothel again, though. And so they spend the night talking with each other about their lives and their families, and they grow closer. She learns that Kaiva is descended from the family who crafted the Firestones, which made intergalactic space travel possible and were instrumental in the Great War that eventually resulted in the destruction of Kaiva's home on Caribou. And so he feels some guilt about his family's history, even though... The Firestones were very helpful. Kaiva shares that he saves the money he earns from working in the brothel to submit applications each year to find his mother and brother who were lost after the Great War and that he would like to eventually go and search for them, though they could be anywhere. Eve questions him further about the cost of the application, and she learns that Madame Allegria has been lying about how much she pays the crave. She states in the client contract that everyone signs that she gives each crave half of what the client pays, which would be about 450 credits. However, she's actually only giving them one credit per client. Eve is sick with this realization and offers to help Kaiva, but he declines in part due to his pride, but also because Madame Allegria has connections within their government and he does not believe Anyone will be able to actually help him or bring justice to the situation. Kaiva and Eve continue to meet weekly and see each other. Um, but problems will arise with Madame Allegria and Kaiva. So Madame Allegria has discovered that Kaiva and Eve have not actually been having sex, 
when they've met and she has Kaiva come to the basement of their building where she restrains him and whips him for not coercing Eve into sex as it makes her business look bad. If people discover that her crave aren't living up to their reputation as magical sex creatures, basically. So Kaiva accepts his punishment with resignation as this has happened to him and the three other Craven residents many times before. However, the next day he asks Valerie, his friend and the receptionist at the revolve at the brothel to cancel his appointment with the client, his client in two days when Madame Allegria will be off planet. She asks her to contact Eve and ask her to meet with him away from the brothel in the Lake district. Eve meets with him and away from, away from the brothel in a park. And then they later go to Eve's house and they have lots and lots of sex there. Um, and Kaiva shares that he would like for his time with her to be a reality, to be long-term. And he would like to have children with her. And he confesses a lot of his feelings. And so Eve offers to pay to get him a visa so that he can leave Everton and leave the brothel. Uh, but again, his pride gets in the way. And his resignation and lack of a desire to really pursue a future with Eve hurts her feelings. And so they part on tense terms. Eve contemplates her goals in life and contacts one of her father's old friends who helps her make arrangements to leave the Everton colony for another colony. And so she, she begins packing her things and she returns to the brothel one last time where she tells Kaiva that she will be moving in four days. And she offers again to help him get a visa and to move away from Everton. And again, he declines. She gives him the 2,700 credits um, that he should have been paid from the visits that they had together. And though he doesn't want to, he accepts them. And so Eve tells him goodbye and leaves the brothel. So what will happen with our characters? Will Kaiva pull his head out and move away with Eve Will we get a happily ever after? Spoilers abound. This is your spoiler alert. If you don't want to know what happens, you should stop now and read the book or keep listening if you really enjoy spoilers like I do. All right. So Craving Kaiva. What are our just general overall opening thoughts about this book? So it's alien rope. We have (laughs) sci-fi romance. Which is a little, we, we typically, this is, and we featured this author before. So we featured Zoe Draven when we covered Madness of the Horde King. In terms of uh, sci-fi romance authors, she's probably our favorite, right? Vicki, would you say yes? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is my first like alien sex book. Okay. That I've ever read. Um. And I don't think I was expecting it to be as well-versed as what it was. I think because of all, all the hoopla around um, Ice Planet Barbarians, I was like, it, it, people seem to be saying, why is this so good and yet so bad? That seemed to be like the general consensus around it. So yeah, I think I was yeah. expecting a fun storyline, um, shocking spice, but then terrible writing I think that was my preconception of it but that was not the case yeah and that's why that's part of why we like Zoe Draven so much we read I read like when Ice Planet Barbarians became a thing I was like y'all need to read Zoe Draven because she's the best 
she's really good at writing stories like this and we read ice planet barbarians and it's yeah i mean it's so, fine. i don't know well i still haven't read ice planet barbarians don't know if i'm gonna but i think i expected this to be one in the same yeah um i listened to your podcast on the horde king and was like oh they're being very complimentary they seem to love it yeah we Maybe love wrong. And, and yeah as soon as i started reading it i was like oh I am happily surprised. Yeah. I guess I thought I'd read it and the whole time I, I'd have it in the back of my head that this is ridiculous. Right. But that wasn't the case. Well, so somehow she that. transported me <laughs> to a place <laughs> in my brain that said, blue aliens having sex is completely normal and relatable. <laughs> <laughs> so good on you, Zoe <laughs> Draven. Good what on a you. to accomplish. Yeah, I mean it is though. <laughs> sure. That I so that I'm aware of. I think she has three series: the Horde King series, which is probably my favorite series that she's written. Vicky, I think you said this one is your favorite. Is that right? Yes, this one's definitely my favorite. Yeah. So I haven't I haven't read the rest of the books in the series beyond this one, not for any particular reason. I just haven't. Have you read the rest the other ones in this series? I haven't. Are you asking me? Yes. Oh, yes. So the next book after this was like Prince of Firestone, which I read. I didn't like it as much because they had problems in their relationship and I wasn't looking no! for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the next one after that was uh, Draka, I think. Dravka. Is it Valerie's book with Dravka? Yeah, Valerie's book. And that was good. And she's coming out then with the third one, Tavit. Oh, yeah. In September. So I haven't read that one yet because it's not out yet, but I love them. They're great. And actually, so you've read her um, Warriors of Luxuria. Luxuria, yeah. Luxuria. This is set in the same universe. I know, but like in the future, which is really cool. Yeah. Totally missed that on my first read of this. Yeah. I, I don't actually think I read the other one on the first read of this actually. So that makes sense. I didn't know the world existed, but <laughs> yeah, I'll see. I want to say that I did. Oh. Yeah. I caught that. That series is good too, though. I mean, I've, everything that I've read by her, I've really enjoyed. I feel like uh, when I talk about alien romance books with other people, there's like this automatic eye rolling reaction. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, it's alien sex. And it's like, okay, but the, but the story Story that's definitely crazy. what I gleaned from it like um if you scrolled book talk or any forum really when Ice Planet Barbarians blew up I was like most people were quite condescending towards it and I then automatically became very like well it, surely then it's just the writing wouldn't be that good um so yeah I can understand why like the eye rolling thing like you said Marissa yeah I had no experience of reading it so I had no eyes to roll I had no business rolling my eyes at it but um yeah that's why but that's why I wanted to read this book when you guys suggested it because I was like yeah I want to see what it's about I'm happily surprised I think the eye rolling thing just would probably come from people that haven't really read it yeah 
So here's our here's our plug. If you liked Ice Planet Barbarians, you should read Zoe Draven's books because she's an outstanding author and she does really great at writing sci-fi romance. She does a great job. Agreed. Yeah. So this world, the world of Everton, it it sounds like a real special place. <laughs> <laughs> Felt like it I was like the Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. I was like, are we back into like Jane Austen? Am I in a Jane Austen novel right now? She's 25 and a spinster. That makes me like a desiccated mummy, right? If, <laughs> if, if 25 is a spinster, I am dried up in comparison. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're um 25 and unmarried, you're a spinster. If you haven't started procreating at 21, it's not gonna happen multiple sex partners are frowned upon which is still kind of a thing in some places though so that's not just jane austen um, but well i guess that they wouldn't talk about that maybe at all in jane austen i don't know anyway uh multiple sex <laughs> partners are a bad thing um yeah and and everyone in this world wants to be blonde and waif like um so that's 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 everton yeah. <laughs> I think the concept of like the earth colony is interesting though because she mentions it having like it's programmed to like rain every Sunday mm-hmm. and like the seasons um they're never too extreme you know stuff like that is that even like the night night was programmed hey yeah yeah they mentioned that yeah so yeah. even night and day is programmed yeah yeah I hope that we get to the point where we're advanced enough to pre-program some type of colony like this one day where we can, I don't know, survive. But like better, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Without the uh, spinster 25. Multiple London wave flag thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day, maybe one day folks. Let's talk about Eve's best friend. Ugh, do we have to she was yeah. shit she sucked he does real bad not a good friend she's a shit friend eve deserves From the first several chapters instant hate yeah what? her first words to her like you're not gonna wear that are you it's like uh, damn okay come off jenny yeah <laughs> we're coming in with some strong opinions jenny it's her birthday <laughs> Oh man, and I like, I don't know about you guys, but am I so triggered by Jenny because we all have known and befriended a Jenny? Yes. Yeah. We've all had a I feel Jenny. Like in our known, lives. I feel like I've known a Jenny or two. Yeah, we've all had a Jenny. A Jenny that was your friend out of convenience rather than true affection mm-hmm. or any true kinship. Like it was just out of familiar, I can't say that word familiarity <laughs> can someone say that word for me please familiarity thank you yeah. <laughs> nailed it <laughs> yes we've all had that crap fit friend which um, makes eve i think a little bit more relatable we've all been in that moment where this person who's supposed to be friendly to you is treating you like garbage and you're trying to process how do you respond right yeah for sure and she so Eve like inherited money from her dad and stuff like that 
And Jenny makes all of these like digs at her about it. Like there's one comment she makes when Eve starts visiting the crave, right? As they're called. Um, it's like, oh, did you ever think about diseases and stuff like that? And she says, oh, well, her regular clients, the rich people have good doctors. And Eve finally goes, well, so do I. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yes, Eve. Because she's been making all these like digs at Eve throughout the thing, uh, throughout the book about her having an inheritance. Yes. The money. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then she tries to shame her. She makes comments. Well, I don't Yeah. No, she does make a comment to Eve about still being a virgin, I think at some point, but then Eve finally has sex and she tries to shame her for having sex with one of the crave, which I mean, losing, uh, having sex for the first time, you know, um, with a sex worker is a unique way to go about doing that, but she wanted to do it. Like she wanted to do maybe things on her own terms. Things weren't working out for her, maybe the way that she wanted them to, um, it was a choice that she made and good on her for doing that. So I hate it for, I, I don't know. I feel like as much, uh, maybe shame as women get from men about their sexual independence, they tend to get just as much shame from other women about things like that. And this is what's happening with Jenny in this situation. Yeah, totally agree. And Jenny in the beginning was all for the crave. She, at some point in a story, mentioned that she'd give anything for a night with a crave. Yep. Yeah. But when it applies to somebody else, she doesn't like it when somebody can actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. That whole scene where Jenny's waiting on her doorstep, claiming to have been super duper worried about her, really irks me as well. Yes. She, um, she turns. And so Eve walks up to her door base and Jenny's like, I think I have a right to know. I think I deserve an explanation. It's like, um, excuse you. Yeah. hundred percent though. <laughs> yeah. <No> entitled. <laughs> yes. Like you, you don't deserve anything. And so I love for Eve that she has this realization that she doesn't have to constantly justify her actions. She doesn't have to justify why she chose to do whatever she wanted to do as an independent woman, um, capable of consenting to things like this. So I love that for her. No is a complete sentence. You don't have to offer any extra explanation and you don't have to justify yourself to anyone. Yep. I might frame that. (laughs) No No is a complete sentence and you don't owe any other explanation to anyone. Yep. So true. It is. Yeah. And then Jenny walks out and does this really dramatic, oh, and I think Eric and I broke up. Thanks for caring. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay. Are you 17 and talking to your parents? Like, relax, yeah. Jenny. Yeah. yeah. So this is why Jenny really came. She wasn't concerned about Eve at all because she's a shit friend. That's right. <laughs> She was and she's more about annoyed her. about the fact that Eve wasn't there at her disposal when she needed her. Yes. More so than what she was truly worried Yeah. about her, you know, well-being. That's what she claimed to be there for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, she's just annoyed that Eve had anything else going on in her life. Yeah. When Eve uh, decides 
to make an appointment with one of the crates and she goes to Madame Allegria's brothel. Um, she makes several, and even before that, she makes comments about her father's passing, how she misses just, just being touched by anyone, not necessarily in a romantic way, but just touch full stop. Um, and that's, it's sad to me. Um, and that's part of what she, she seeks when she makes this, this interaction or this appointment with Kaiva. Um, she's seeking some, and that, that ends up being part of what she really enjoys is just being touched. She makes a comment about how she just loves being touched. She and Kaiva notices that because he's an attentive lover, which is great. Um, but she just enjoys that tactile feedback. Um, and it reminded me of the, so this became like popularized a few years ago. I think professional cuddlers. Ah, uh, yeah. People whose job it is to, um, they like to cuddle with people for a variety of reasons. It's just people who want that type of feedback or maybe their spouses have passed and they, they don't want to date. They don't have, they're not interested in that, but they miss being touched. And how important it is. Yes. Yeah. And there's loads of studies that support that. Yeah. Wasn't there one with, um, or at least I don't know if it was a study with kids, but like an observation and stuff with kids who lacked um, t- like being touched, you know, and affection from their parents. Are you talking about the children, like the, the children who were orphans? Orphans. Yeah. You're talking about. Yeah. That. Yes. They did. So, well, right. there's lots of like bad repercussions that can come from um, orphans who have lacked physical touch. And the way that they've learned to soothe themselves and how we now perceive them as um, ticks or stimming. Mm. And Mm. stimming is something that um, lots of people on the autistic spectrum do as a form of like self-regulation when they're starting to feel like any heightened emotion or overstimulated. But the truth is that anyone anywhere can stim and it's just a habit, like something that like a nervous tick, that's something that you do um, as a form of regulation, but babies in, um, an orphanage will learn to rock themselves to sleep because they don't have anyone to soothe them or touch them. And so they'll do things like rock from side to side, um, as a form of calming themselves. And then as adults, that stims into different types of stimming where they'll still rock or they'll shake as a form of self-regulation. And it's all down to like our basic human need to be um, held and touched and comforted from someone else. That's really interesting. I've not heard of stimming before. Yeah. So you guys know that I'm a teacher. So like I did studies into um, special needs children and it came back to that, but also from children with a trauma background who have perhaps been neglected or lacked physical touch for one reason or another, whether it's because they were placed in a cot in an orphanage and left there until it was time for them to be fed again, or whether it was because um, they were just alone with um, negligent caretakers and how they had to soothe themselves somehow because no one was doing it for them. And so they learn their own ways to soothe. And it's called stimming. That's really interesting. It is, yeah. 
but it just speaks to how crucial it is. It's not, um, it's something that humans physically need. Mm-hmm. Animal, I want to say that that, I, that shows up like in animals as well. I, I think it's rats, rat mothers maybe who lick their babies. Um, if, if, uh, I want to say, I, I don't know why I know this. I think it's that <laughs> if their um, if their babies are denied like that contact by their mothers, they don't, they don't, they don't do well. They don't grow well. They don't thrive. Yeah. Um, they talk about animals in the zoo or in the circus as well that have been contained and the way they rock and sway and um, how it used to be perceived as them just being frustrated or angry and wanting release from the cage when in actual fact they were in such emotional turmoil that they were stimming to try and calm themselves down. Anyway, back to alien sex. Back to alien sex. Back to like these feelings of loneliness. Um, when I noticed, so when I noticed those, those feelings and as we talked about like all of the information about touch and studies and stuff, um, and how that affects humans, it, it reminded me of like the climate that we live in now. So, and it's not, maybe not as prominent as it was when COVID was first, um, what popular is not the word, but like when it was like peak pandemic time, right. And we were all socially distancing and quarantining and isolating and things like that. I wonder, yeah, it makes me wonder if like the, the repercussions of having extended periods of isolation quarantine and things like that how that is affecting people right now or even like a year ago absolutely it has to have affected mental health on some level oh yeah i'm sure yeah oh yeah and i bet it was probably easier for people who have a history of depression too to fall back into like a depressive state without having people around them you know, like I know like so when you're depressed sometimes it's hard to like be around people, but also it can help pull you back kind of like into the world outside of yourself. But yeah, your head can be a terrible place to live in. Yes. When there's no outside stimulation to distract you from it as well. I imagine we'll be seeing more information on that in years to come, but like we are living in one of these situations right now. Mm -hmm. That we are. I think it's led to us gathering together to talk about alien sex. So yeah, there's that. Yes. So something that Zoe Draven does with her different series, which I really like and appreciate, is that her um, alien characters have varying um, sexual adaptations. So in the Horde King books, they have the Daka, which is this vibrating nub that lives above the, the, the base of the penis and is spectacular for clitoral stimulation. I want to say in the Warriors of Luxuria, they had um, like studs maybe on the bottom side of the penis. Yeah, it was like ridge. Ribbing, sort of. ribbing, yeah, ribbing. Yeah, ridge, mm-hmm. sort of like that. And then in this series, we have super orgasmic ejaculates. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just state that, Marissa, you could say um, orgasmic ejaculate and your voice sounds so proper that you could be reading me the specials of a menu (laughs) or you could be talking about orgasmic alien ejaculate and it has the same tone. (laughs) 
and it is so jarring. <laughs> it's because of my job. So I, t- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist. So I have to be able to talk about things like this in a professional manner. And so when I, <laughs> and so, so that's, professional. Just how, that's just how I talk about these things because like, you can't laugh. It really it shows. Insane. It really shows. <laughs> Thank you. That makes my voice good. like drops a few decibels. I like my eyes turn shifty. Like, <laughs> there's no professional. There's no professionalism over here. So if you, <laughs> if you, <laughs> if you were going to pick an alien adaptation and it came down to vibrating penis nub that stimulates clitoris, ridged penis, or orgasmic ejaculate for your alien lover, which would you choose? Vibrating penis nub all the way. Same. Okay. So here's the thing. I, Mickey, I, is, like, Mickey is making an argument right now. Okay. I can here's feel it brewing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I think this book is like super hot. But the reason I do is I don't think it has anything to do with the orgasmic ejaculate, right? Mm-hmm. It's more because it's that whole like domination thing. Okay. Where it's... um because he says at one point, like he, his fantasy is like to tie a woman up and just watch her like orgasm until it suits him to stop. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like what I find most, like, I guess, sexiest in this book. So that's why when I read this, I'm like, I want this, right. You know, like this Mm -hmm. is what I would want. So if I was picking a Zoe Draven book or alien, I would pick a Kira V. I guess. Okay. Because although I think we've talked about this before in other episodes, I'm not a fan of bodily fluids. Yes. At all. Yep. They're but like, yes, they are. That's the problem. So it's like, I feel like in reality, I don't know. In reality, I don't think I would appreciate it as much as I do reading it. It sounds exhausting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It sounds messy honestly like agreed yeah Mm -hmm. I would rather have I mean I feel like with vibrating penis nub things get to be a little more hands-free so I mean but this is like completely hands-free yes that I mean that's true but then there's the bodily I don't know yeah there's the fluids the fluids are (laughs) really bothersome to me I know, especially because at one point she gives him a blowjob and it just sounds like there's a ton of it too yeah yes that's mentioned and there's mentioned he mentions at some point it depends like on or like they can choose how much they ejaculate or something there's something about that too and it's like that sounds like just too much of it I mean agree Yes. It sounded like a man wrote that specific part. Like just that one paragraph, it felt like perhaps a man wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it would it would certainly do a lot to close the orgasm gap if men orgasming caused women to have orgasms. True. Yeah, that, Maybe that was the thought behind it. Yes. I mean, so that's, 
that that's nice I guess I, I like that <laughs> I'm all about closing the orgasm gap so <laughs> yes like orgasms for everyone let's throw them out like Oprah throws out new cars um, <laughs> you get an orgasm you get an you get one yes yes I also I don't know how I feel about the idea of having an orgasm for an hour though that's a lot that's my only concern yeah it wasn't the, even the bodily fluids thing I was like okay like I could take or leave it that doesn't bother me too much but I was like I also like I I'd have to clear my schedule you know yeah it, I, but I don't I, know. yeah it I don't would, know if that makes for spontaneity I think it would detract from it suddenly suddenly having sex in the park isn't as user-friendly yeah like how do you after that scene even I'm like so you're walking back just on the cusp of another orgasm and you have to act like it's nothing yeah yeah well, with the first person that she sees comes uh, coming out of the like alley or whatever, she sits down. She's like, I could have sworn I heard her moan when she sat down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that. Like she's going back to home to her husband now. Like yeah. that's not conducive for having an affair. Yeah. You're just um, too, too happy. I'll take, I'll take the vibration. Yes. I think I will too. I'm a simplistic gal. Vicky, did you make this note about the trilling? Oh, uh, yeah, I love the trilling. It's so cute. He makes the sound when he's like alarmed or when he's trying to comfort her or just in general. And I wish I could make it like how I hear it in my head. It just sounds really cute. Like, yeah. or something. I can't do. I can't do fucking sounds. All right. I can't. Thank you. That is not how it sounded in your no, head. It's not. It's not. I can't put what I sound in my head to come out of my mouth. Okay. Like, I, I, I heard like a chest rumble. Yeah. Like, I know it, it kept saying that there was a trill in his throat, but I pictured it as more like, I don't know, maybe like a growl. Or something because when I heard the word trill, all I could think of was a a phone ringing, mm-hmm. b a bird singing, <laughs> or c a cat purring, and neither of those, none of them, fit the situation at all. I had to get rid of all three, and I just <laughs> went for it. it. Sounds like a growl. That's what it sounds like. There you go. What did you hear in your head, Marissa? I heard a purr, and I think purr. it's because Matt, my beau, Matt. He will purr at me. We're not weird. Like, <laughs> okay, no, I'm just <laughs> okay. We're just saying that you're not weird as a friend. It's not you're not weird. <laughs> so sometimes what he does, it. So you know how cats like make biscuits. You know they mm-hmm. do that like claw thing. Kneading. Kneading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he. <laughs> He'll pretend to like do that to me and then he'll purr at me. And that's, (laughs) we're not weird. And that's what. The more you insist on it, the more more I don't believe you. Maybe we are weird. We're not doing weird stuff with cats and that's what really counts. That's That's what I pictured. So. I'm so glad we're learning about each other. (laughs) (laughs) 
So uh, the way that she describes the Cara V, I know that they they don't look like the Blue Man group, but <laughs> it, it made it really hard for me to not picture the Blue Man group because they're bald That's and they're blue. That's disappointing. Yeah, because they're not sexy at all. No, mm. not at all. Um, yeah. Did I miss the fact that all Cara V are bald? It does say that somewhere. Oh man, I missed it. Hang on, I'm just looking at the cover. Yeah, the of, oh, you can't even see the top of his head on the cover. So. <laughs> just a body. Like... Because we don't need that information, <laughs> apparently. Torsos <laughs> only. Yeah, we, that's really the important part in these, you know. Yeah, his Adonis belt, though, is spectacular. Yeah. Um, okay, so he's bald. All right, well, now I'm picturing the Blue Man group as well. For some reason, I picture him <laughs> having um, some hair on his head. I pictured more, um, oh, my gosh, from the Marvel Universe. Uh, oh, Wanda <sighs> Maxim, yeah, Wanda's. Um... No, so, sorry, oh, I sounded no. really impetulant there. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Batista. Isn't wow. he like Oh smart? Drax? Yes, Drax. That's the name. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a good one. Picture. Okay. That's more what I picture. Yeah. All right. I'm glad you put that in my head. Maybe I can switch the image out for that. And I didn't want like I fought it. It's like, no, don't, don't picture, don't picture <laughs> Blue Man Group. It's not, it's not gonna do it for you in this story. <laughs> It's not going to work. You won't like it. And my brain was like, um, we've already written the program. <laughs> Sorry. Aliens from the Hold King series. Um, I think they just had like normal, uh, normal tan, normal flesh skin, or whatever. Yeah. regular color, not blue skin. Not blue. Okay. But they had. I, I must admit, I struggle with the um, the blue skin thing. Yeah. I don't know why. I think it makes it's quite jarring when you pair it with like sex acts because all I think of is like a kid's recreation of an alien. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if you ask the kid to draw yeah. an alien, they either color them green or blue. Right. Yeah. I don't know what I, I had to. It didn't bother me too much. I could just swap it out with a picture that I liked better. Yeah. The hardest part for me to visualize is she says that his eyes are like the swirly, like no whites, right? And it's just like swirly green or something. That was hard for me to picture. Yeah. Whenever, whenever an author um, comes up with some kind of weird coloring like that or anything, hair eyes skin whatever I always like need to take a moment to figure out what image in my head is going to take me through the story otherwise I'll not buy into it she does mention a couple of times that they have black tongues which was kind of jar like that was jarring to me oh yes, yes and they're long yeah yes because the during some of the oral sex scenes he is like invading her vagina with that tongue and I'm like wow that's a lot yeah. yeah okay I didn't mind that part so much the black tongue thing yeah yeah it was one of those things where I'm like as soon as you change the color of a of anything and it's 
like just not something we'd normally encounter. Like all I could mm-hmm. picture with a black tongue thing was like a lizard. Yeah. Yep. I just pictured snake tongue. Yeah. And yeah, so exactly. So I need to like take a minute to like recreate that in my head. Mm-hmm. And it's it doesn't usually put me off totally. It's usually something I can get over. I just need a minute. Yeah. Yeah. You have to rewrite the program. Yeah, exactly. Sort of reprogram my head mm-hmm. a little. Yep. Should we talk about the virginal deflowering trope? Sure. Yeah. Let's do it. What do you guys think of it? Do you like the trope? I could take it or leave it. I I don't have anything particularly against it, but I feel like it's rather, I don't want to say overdone, but it, it's just there a lot. So no, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think it is <laughs> overdone a lot. Um, yeah, not a huge fan. Doesn't put me off too much though. Just not a huge fan. Yeah. I for In me... this particular plot, it worked okay. Yeah. Because I, of the, the constraints that the author put around the world, like Everton itself. She's a spinster. Um, she's kind of past her prime of being able to find herself a companion, a human companion. Yeah. I, I don't dislike it. There are times when I struggle with it. And I think it's related to what I do in my job and the type of populations that I work with. Um, women who have pain with intercourse um a lot of times when the so a lot of times with the virginal deflowering trope there's like this episode of really aggressive penetration for their first episode of penetration and we don't really have that in this situation and I appreciate that um but it, it a lot in a lot of situations where this trope is happening. That is like Fifty Shades of Grey, for example. Um, I made a I'm like I, it bothered me so much. I made an Instagram post about it and how it related to my job because it was so bothersome to me. Um, and so I think when when the the virgin is deflowered with some sensitivity and lots of foreplay activities and there's plenty of lubrication happening and things like that i'm less bothered with it it bodes well with you because of your profession yeah right because i imagine that the majority of your clientele are women who experience pain during sex right yes and so when the when there have been lots of foreplay activities which we see in this book there's a lot of pre-penetration work done the yes. the female is well lubricated um, she is relaxed she is in a safe environment she feels safe with her partner those are all spectacular things to me like i yeah. i i love that but when i see that in other books it like automatically turns me off when the when the female character doesn't have that type of support yeah right yeah i it, i'm the same though and i don't have your background at all but i just kind <laughs> of virgin maybe um Maybe not so maybe not so rough the first time. Like be a little bit more considerate, please. Yeah. Thank you. I'm trying so. to think of some like other ones that was, oh, did you you read Alpha's Claim, right, Marissa? Which oh no, you didn't that? finish it. Alpha's Claim, the Oh thing. yeah, no, I didn't finish, didn't finish it. it. It was too much for me. Yeah, but there was super aggressive, like, well, it's really hedges, but like 
first time sex in that and I remember wincing reading it uh that doesn't do it for me no sometimes I can suspend belief uh in like fantasy novels for example um some of the books we've read the characters have had like well like this guy for example has a ridiculously large penis like okay right there there may be some pain in that situation like her hand doesn't even fit all the way around it all right yeah yeah (laughs) that is we're we're working with something above average size (laughs) like all right I can suspend a little bit of belief here but in just like human romance, I'm like, nope, I have no, I have no room for that. <laughs> yeah. Every time we talk about that, like, oh, she couldn't even fit her whole hand around it. it I, like, I try to like, I <laughs> try to think of a you way guys to measure it? that. Yeah, I test it. I like, always hold up my hand and go like, yeah, okay. my wrist. Same. Like, how big are, how, how, like, how, what's the distance between her fingertips then? Is it like yeah. a Coke can? Like, what, what are we talking about? Well, that's so like, if I start at my wrist, right? My fingers meet at my wrist. And then it's yeah. not until probably like, I don't know, like in, for my forearm, like halfway up my forearm, maybe a little bit higher yeah. that like, I can't put my fingers around anymore. And that's just, that's just too much. That's fine. I could just, I could just pass on that. It is slightly horrifying. That is it. Big dong, right? <laughs> Just to put it eloquently, you know. Yes. Like, <laughs> Give away with words. It, yeah, it, it is such a writer. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it was you, Marissa, that made this note about um, hymen. Yes, and people's perceptions of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So. There is a a really great TED talk out there. It's called The Virginity Fraud. I don't have the names. I could I don't think I can actually pronounce the names of the people who provide the TED talk. I believe they're Nordic. Um, but it is a really spectacular TED talk. And they debunk a lot of the myths and the words that are used to describe hymens. And the way that this book talks about hymens to me is a little bit problematic. Um, because it it's often described like this, this barrier that's being punched through, like, like, like the Kool-Aid man is bursting through a wall that is a vagina, right? Right. And hymens are not like that. Now there is a, um, a type of formation of hymen. So uh, hymens come in different shapes, just like vulvas and vaginas are all different. Hymens can be different too. And so there is something called an imperfect hymen, which often requires, um, like, surgical correction because it is it is like that barrier it's not very common um but that does prevent like menstrual fluid passing through or penis entering or tampon or speculum or whatever like nothing comes in nothing goes out um and that does happen but hymens are not like barriers they're like scrunchies they stretch most like a lot of times they're very flexible um they they're typically not rigid. They can be problematic in some situations. Some people can have pain related to, um, just the formation of the hymen, but they're, they're not, it's not something that's being punched through with, um, with intercourse. 
And so for me, the way that it's kind of described in this situation, um, it's like she, she feels her hymen being torn through. She's no longer a a virgin because her hymen has been what, I don't know, obliterated, I guess, or breached, torn, breached, whatever. Um, (laughs) um, you, the, the hymen is not an indicator of virginity. Uh, there was a lot of controversy related to like virginity exams or hymenal exams to determine if someone was a virgin recent, I think it was last year, maybe, um, or the year before, um, the rapper TI said that he gets his daughter, um, has his daughter examined every year to confirm that she's still a virgin. The hymen is not an indicator of virginity. And I have a problem when it is presented that way. And I know it's different in this situation with this character because she's had no opportunities to interact with people like that. Um, and it, 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 yeah, but when it's presented that way, I find it bothersome. Yeah, I I don't love this trope because it often comes with a big gleaning paragraph about the hymen breaking mm-hmm. as though it's like a glass pane that's been shattered and it's super jarring because that's just not the, how the human body works. Um, I'm still reeling from when you just said that the rapper T.I. makes his daughter have an invasive vaginal exam. Yeah. How horrible for yes. her. And Absolutely. you can have intercourse and still have an intact hymen. Um, you can ask. Flexible. Yeah, it's flexible. It's like a scrunchie. It is mobile. And so you can have all of these things. You can have kits and still have an intact hymen. If you're bleeding as a result of intercourse, it could be related to trauma in the vaginal canal and not even necessarily to the hymen at all, because again, it stretches. But if you're not well lubricated, if you're maintaining tension in pelvic floor, um, if sex is aggressive, you can experience the, the bleeding, which is, I feel like the thing that it always goes back to. She experienced, like, even in this book, it mentions like, there's evidence of like pinkish blood on Kaiva's penis, I think, or whatever. Like it, yeah, all, it right. always goes evidence back to the blood. Battery. Yes. Yeah. Vicky, did you, or I don't know, one, one of you, I guess, oh shit, made this note about emphasizing sex and sexuality as being a defining factor. Yeah. I just, I thought that was really interesting because she says like, oh, you know, I've heard that women who have sex, like walk different, or like women who embrace their sexuality or something, they walk differently, they view the world differently. And to me, that's really interesting. So yes, like I think accepting your sexuality and stuff like that will definitely give you a different outlook. But I just, I feel like in this book, or at least for this character, it's such a defining trait to like lost your virginity and to have sex. Um, it was just, uh, just interesting, I guess. And like Jenny um, notices it right away, right? Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. She yeah. says something like, you've been fucked. Yeah. So. That is not the way that I felt. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, that's what, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's like, it's, it's important, like in real life, like, yeah, important being comfortable with your sexuality is important, but it's also not this defining factor. It wasn't like, I had sex and then I woke up and was like, well, now I'm going to walk differently and I view the world completely <laughs> differently. Like everything is different to me now. Like it just. <laughs> the birds are singing. And the sky is... <laughs> yeah. Right. I think 
maybe in this instance, um, some of that goes into maybe the character being able to, I don't know, more fully accept herself. And this is, it's almost like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I would call it a burden for her, but it's definitely something that she seems to be kind of self-conscious about or just very aware of. And so um, maybe being able to have sex for the first time sort of opens it, her up to being able to accept just herself more. Yeah. I mean, for her, it, I guess it does work. Like she changes to, so she stands up to Jenny, mm-hmm. you know, um, she realizes as well, you know, you get closer to the end of the book, she's leaving Everton, you know, she's deciding to not be stagnant anymore. And this all does to her, like all, all came together, like after she lost her virginity. Um, so for her, it was very defining. And I guess it let her, cause I, well, like you said, it was something that she was self-conscious of. So being able to let go of that, mm-hmm. she was then able to let go of other things like her friendship with Jenny and some of her fear in general of living. So in our, in this book, right, the main male lead is a Kaiva, right, yeah. Kaiva. Sorry, I keep stuttering over the name. He's a sex worker and he feels really badly about himself and he calls himself a whore. Other people call him a whore, um, specifically Jenny. And it's interesting. It carries over, um, I guess, into this book, this idea of sex work not being real work. And I think this book kind of emphasizes why it's important to destigmatize sex work, mm-hmm. as well as it points out these like, glaring issues that we have with it in general like um we, it's not regulated at all you know which creates abuse in the system um and people can't come forward to talk about things and i think in this that is one of the big things so uh madame allegria right she is like high profile you know she rich people come to her all of that sort of stuff so that's definitely one factor in it and then like if they try to speak out they have this backlash against them but they're also not given the nobody's going to take them as seriously because they're sex workers you know mm-hmm. which is what we see in kind of the real world real life. yeah yeah so we see in real life and it's just ridiculous marissa did you make the note about capitalism corrupt government system upper class oh yeah i did um so we see that pull in with madame allegria um i figured you i don't have the words to talk about capitalism the way that you do Uh, but what we do see in this situation is corrupt government systems so madame allegria has got these connections and because of her position Um, And because she offers this service and many of her clients are married to government officials, she's able to use her status to blackmail them into looking the other way, Uh, which I feel like we see in our regular government systems in real life. (laughs) And we also see upper class folks manipulating organizations um, with their wealth and to benefit their wealth in this book as well as in real life so i know it's just an alien sex book but there's a whole (laughs) lot of overlap here 
<laughs> well, it is still an Earth colony. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting how much this does, like, you know, we can point, point out the flaws in capitalism, right? You have one person charging, like, what, almost a thousand credits, yeah. right? For a night and only paying the sex worker one credit for this, which is insane because they're doing most of the work. Well, they're doing all of the work. All of Never. the work. They're doing all of the work. You know, they're doing all the work. They're putting in long hours. Yeah. Okay. So she's feeding them and giving them a place to stay. But like, let's say if that's, as, we'll make it equivalent. That's, I don't know, $2,000 a month and maybe 3000 yeah. is So that's really all of her costs there. Right. I guess maybe for each crave um it would be like three thousand a month for housing and food but still for what she's charging it's way out there um and it's kind of what we see in real life we see people like jeff bezos right making billions of dollars and paying his employees the like minimum wage wage. minimum wage and treating them poorly it's it's like the basis of capitalism is absolutely that's it you got to treat the working class like crap so that you can be rich that is and we see it in this book and we see it in real life you know that's unfortunately how it works we see a vulnerable population being abused here as well so yes the crave um or i mean essentially homeless their world was destroyed they're mm-hmm. basically lost and then they were found by this woman who is now taking advantage of them and because of her she has their visas basically she has all of the power in their lives um and because of the the social system in this world where they 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 w- want the crave they want their services but if they were visible outside of the brothel they would be rejected and scorned right and so yeah, because of, yeah um and so because we have this we have this vulnerable population and they're subject to like literal abuse like their madam whips them and so that's a bit extreme i feel like for maybe what we could apply i'm hopefully people are not being whipped but they are kept in i mean poverty yeah so that to keep them in this endless cycle they're not they're paid barely enough if enough at all to live you know sometimes people have two or three jobs to cover basic cost of living right um we do see that and we see people in poverty they die at a younger age because they're overworked because it's harder for them to buy healthier food this is going off on like a crazy tangent i'm sorry um about capitalism and overworking but anyway yes tito would really love that you're having this conversation he really <laughs> would so i'm gonna stop it <laughs> <laughs> anyway making money off of the backs of 
um, oppressed or a vulnerable class is bad. Don't <laughs> do it. That was eloquent as fuck. Well done, Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Eve, you know, is just really trying to help Kaiva in this book. He's just, uh, she, she offers to get him a visa. She offers like no strings attached. You don't even have to come with me. We don't even have to date, but I will help you escape this world. She offers like three or four times to help me give some money even. And he's like, no, my pride. Yeah. Like, buddy, <laughs> you're being whipped. You have to have sex with girls every single night. And you don't like it. And yet it's your pride that's stopping you in escape. Or oh, it just, yeah. Yeah. That didn't necessarily, that felt like a bit of a, a plot flaw perhaps to me. It didn't make sense. Yeah. He, uh, he does make this one comment. It's about his pride. I will find it. Because I guess it, uh, hold on. Is it the quote that you have? No, it says, when you become a whore, you learn very quickly that pride is perhaps the last thing that you have. Yes, I highlighted that quote. Yeah, that is why I cannot accept. It's like, okay, I, I see what you're saying, Kaiva, but. It's very illogical. Your life could be so much better. <laughs> yeah. You could just, this girl is offering to save you. Let her do it. Just let it, let it go. Uh, and yeah, that was could, frustrating. Yeah. I just wanted to like punch him in the face. Like, stop being so dumb, man. <laughs> and then he has this realization as he's being flayed alive, basically like, oh, I need to see Eve. Like, yes, I'm bleeding everywhere. Yes, I've just been whipped worse than I ever have in my life. But I'm gonna give up my pride now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, now's the time. Now seems like <laughs> okay. Better late than never, I guess. <laughs> I'm glad that someone wrote down um, the scene where Valerie went to Dravka to keep him company during his rut, even though he specifically didn't want that. Yeah, that made me super uncomfortable. Me too. It felt almost like a breach of consent. Like I I don't know about you guys. I realised that the point of it was to show that Valerie felt deeply enough for Dravka that she was like, I have to go and, and help care for him. But realistically, like, what are you in there to do, girlfriend? Like, what is it that you're going in there to do to comfort him it seems more like you're going to put him in more agony being nearby so what are you doing there yeah I agree and she like goes in she's like he's like saying no get out like and then he asks Kaiva to get her out he's like get her out of here and she's like oh hush you big baby or something and it's like what and Kaiba just shrugs his shoulders like, Ooh. yeah, yeah. And then he goes, yeah, he goes, oh, don't shut the door. And then she shuts the door, and he's like, all right, <laughs> okay. I see how it is. The rut that like they're so 
so like their arousal is so high and that they're mad with it and it's like beyond frustrating for them yeah and so let's lock your well I mean he's she's I I I think it sounds like she would make it worse yeah Yeah, exactly it just seems like a, a cruel thing to do yes so you know honey get out like (laughs) what are you doing I guess there's lots of uh, those types of scenes in books but I don't want you to see me like this with a love interest going well too bad because I'm in for a penny in for a pound but it this was different this wasn't that he didn't want her there because he could become sexually violent right and she was like, well, too bad. I'm just going to, while you're chained to the wall, I'm just going to stand over here in the corner. Yeah, like, what is she doing? I, I, did I ever What are you there I, for? <laughs> oh, Just staring. Just endless staring. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. It's awkward. Yeah, I, yeah, it got to that point and I thought, Valerie, get out. <laughs> get out immediately. So I really like their relationship. It's really cute. I'm sorry. That's Kaiva and Eve's relationship. We haven't talked too much about their like actual relationship. Yeah. I don't think, but I think it's so sweet. She comes to him and he's like automatically like, oh, hello. Yes. And is immediately attracted to her. And he's so sweet and gentle with her. Mm-hmm. And so we find out there's basically like later on, there's some form of like a mating bond, right? With his species and he thinks that um they're connected and she agrees and it's just um oh what was I gonna say no I forgot like she comes to visit to him and they just talk you know yeah and they enjoy each other's time like that yeah they have like an actual relationship yeah exactly more than just sexual contact yeah it's cute they do that whole Yeah, and they go, oh, tell me something, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Tell me something, which is sweet. And he's really respectful of her boundaries. Yeah, and he checks in a lot too. And I know that part of that's related to just his job um, mm-hmm. and having to do what his clients want, basically. But he thoughtfully checks, like, is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? Ongoing consent is something that we've talked about before. Um and I like that we see that for these characters, especially for her with these being her first, like her initial uh, encounters with sexual contact. Right. To have the ability to say like, oh no, this isn't okay. That's empowering too. Let's talk about our quotes. Woo. Yay. <laughs> Stacy, did you have any? Uh, I have one. Okay. I agreed with the quotes that I know that you guys liked, um, but there was another one. So it was after he'd been really badly whipped, Kaiva says, um, it's when Valerie's questioning whether or not he should go and see um, Eve. Mm-hmm. And Valerie said, like, sh- maybe she shouldn't see you like this. And he, Kaiva says, uh, she will see me like this and she will not look at me differently. I will give my pride to her as an offering because I know she will not abuse it. It is likely she will love me even more for it. Mm. I liked that one. I love that quote. Yeah. It is great. It is. It warms 
my feminist heart, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Finally gets over his pride. Yes, male pride and ego <laughs> is just so debilitating. Yeah. That's a good quote. Um, so I have, this is, so um, Eve is saying to Kaiba when she's getting ready to leave, she comes to tell him that she's leaving Everton and going to another planet to live her life and explore life sort of. She says, I fear that if I stay, I will remain stagnant. I will never grow, never see different places, never experience a different life, never be scared or frightened when I now believe that we should all be scared and frightened sometimes. It's what we are afraid of that makes things worth it. Which I love because it's true. And sometimes the things that you're scared of are fun, like roller coasters. That's where my mind automatically went to for some reason when I read this <laughs> was roller coasters. Cause there's this like, yeah, you're scared, but it's fun, but it's, it's just a good quote, you know? Um, and something good to remember in life, you can get comfortable doing something, you know, like you're comfortable in the life that you have, everything's nice, but it's good to push yourself and it's to move out of your comfort zone. You never know what you might find there. Agreed. Um, Some of the best advice I've ever heard was if you're stuck between two choices, pick the one that scares you most. Oh, that's good. I like yeah, that. and I quite, I quite like that one. And it's all about just pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. I mean, obviously don't use that advice if you're like, you know, broken down in a car in the middle of the night on the side of the road and you're picking whether or not you go with some random who shows up in a truck or whether you call for help. Like, don't use that. <laughs> come on if you know, need to make like a choice in your career or whatever then you know maybe heed that advice so I really liked the quote um he says or Kaiva says to her um I have your taste and scent burned into my memory and I will visit you there if you are not with me and I like this for them. We were talking about how sweet they are as a couple. And this is one of the moments that is really sweet with them. But also I like it uh, because they're approaching this relationship from like a, he's a client basically. And so she, he has this attachment to her. She's very special to him, but he has to approach it. Like he's never going to see her again. Right. And I yeah. like, I like the impact that these words have for him or from him. Yeah. So that wraps up our quotes. Any final thoughts on this book, Stacy? Uh, just that I'm glad my presumptions on it were wrong. I think like this was actually, um, even just the prose was quite well written. And um, yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised. Isn't that a nice feeling? I like being pleasantly it surprised. It certainly is. Vicki? I enjoyed this book. This actually, I think, was actually my third read of it. I think I had read it uh, two times before this. And I enjoyed this book. I enjoy the characters, the relationship that grows between them, the multiple point of views. It's just good. I am uh, eager to get to the second one now. I have started this 
or I read it a while ago and kind of forgot about it. Um, I really liked it. And reading it again made me want to pull out the next book in the series. So maybe I'll do that next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to find out if Madame Allegria is going after them. She's got to be. I'd say so too. Surely she is. She, we're not done with her. She's going to cause us some problems. I know what happens He's because I read <laughs> I know what happens. God damn you, Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, that wraps up Craving Kaiba by Zoe Draven. I don't know what we're talking about next week. It'll be something. Um, and we hope you join us for us. Stacy, thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you for having back. me. We just Such a joy, as always. Yes. We are so grateful to you for your time and for sharing your amazing thoughts with us. And for <laughs> sharing part of your book with us too that's that's amazing so we thank you i'm so grateful that you guys offered to let me come back absolutely we we appreciate you you're welcome anytime because so much fun when you come on the show let's do this again it's always so fun yeah and you guys make me read things i probably wouldn't ordinarily pick up myself (laughs) this time which is Good. All righty. Thank you for listening. Oh, no, wait a second. Check out Stacy's check out Stacy's TikTok page at Stace Bookspace and check out her Instagram page at Stace Bookspace. Her TikToks make me laugh so, so, so much. Check her out. <laughs> she is hysterical. It is worth your time. Do it. <laughs> You'll be stuck down a rabbit hole of absolute nonsense that you will be joyful while you're there. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. That wraps up this episode. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.